This is the Cyber People podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about cyber people. And by that, I mean the mission statement of this podcast is to showcase and celebrate the extraordinary people uh, that make up the Australian cybersecurity market. Um, we're going to start with Australia, and then we're going to um, hopefully, at some point, once the world opens up again, we'll be inviting international guests onto this uh, podcast as well. But you know, one of the things I've noticed as uh, the cyber practice lead here at Latitude IT is that um, the demand for cyber people, cybersecurity people, I should say, I'm saying cyber people because it sounds cooler in the title of the podcast. Um, the, the, the thing that I've noticed is that um, the demand for people uh, far outstrips supply. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I really hope that. Um, uh, that this podcast, as well as being hopefully a useful uh, showcase for uh, your peers in the industry, I really hope that <clears throat> people who are not yet in the cybersecurity industry uh, tune into this podcast and listen, because I think it will really give them a good insight into what the cybersecurity market or industry is all about, um, what the various uh, paths uh, are that one can follow uh, yep. with a career in cybersecurity. You know what one can expect in a typical day to day. Essentially, uh, a, a, a sort of um, introduction to the layman uh, who, who who doesn't really know what it's about has maybe heard a lot about it on the news because there's a. a I think cybersecurity's profile has elevated enormously. Uh, I've been doing technology recruitment for 15 years, and um, I remember when it was just this sort of super um, uh, um, kind of quiet little corner of 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 the technology world, and it was called information security, and it was sort of like I don't know a kind of renegade sect of of uh, of, of of technology, and. Um, since then, uh, the the profile I think publicly of cybersecurity has increased enormously. Uh, it's you hear about it in the news almost every day. It's a lot. The, the profile of cybersecurity is so much higher, and I'm sure that a lot of people are now looking at this industry and going, "Hmm, um, I wonder what that is all about, and I wonder if it would suit me." And I want this podcast to speak to those people and to stimulate them and to pique their interest and to draw them in because um, one of the things that I've seen is that people in the cybersecurity industry are from so many different walks of life. You know, I've met graphic designers who've become cybersecurity people. I've met dairy farmers, beef farmers, musicians, special forces people. I mean, it's quite extraordinary, really. Well, uh, one angle to that, um, there are multiple things you've touched, right? You know, first thing in terms of the current demand, right? Um, yes, uh, there are less people against the requirements, for sure. Uh, the reason being, this is the time uh, where cybersecurity or, or, or security for that matter is in limelight. Uh, because of the current market conditions, you know, the importance of data, and now that people working more remotely, data is as, as good as, you know, a precious asset like a money or something where you need to properly safeguard it, you know, otherwise, gone. And the uh, fun part is we've been dealing with data for a few decades already, but then the actual impact 
which is seen at a common man level. Uh, particularly, you know, if you go to your develop, uh, developing nations, it is more common. They don't understand what is the importance of a personal identifiable data and, and other aspects. No matter government used to say that, you know, you need to safeguard your bank account numbers, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, but then now they understood, right? That's one angle. Uh, the, the other aspect is, you know, well, I mean, uh, uh, I cannot comment the education system here. I haven't studied any college course in Australia, though. But way back in uh, India, you know, people you has a tendency of, you know, how, how soon I can start earning, you know, start a you know, nice white collar job. And IT is the only pathway that, that has been there for the last 25, 30 years or so. Uh, college students use it to do an engineering degree, do some you know, computer-related uh, course, find a, find a career, right? But then uh, it's not that straightforward industry. You know, there is a bit of common sense that we need to add uh, to see a wider picture. There are several careers. Uh, if you go to a layman and say that, you know, I work in an IT industry, you don't differentiate what is graphic designer do, what does a cyber professional do, or what does an uh, manager to probably at an uh, infrastructure level, all right? Uh, and, and then the, and the other point which uh, creates sort of, uh, you know, uh, curiosity across the board is uh, the, the movies, you know, though sometimes it looks fictional, uh, but then uh, it is more around, you know, uh, people who make movies or documentaries actually think through, and those are something that we see after five years, 10 years down the lane, most of the time. Uh, so, so all these factors actually attribute to so much of uh, curiosity across the board. Students, you know, parents, you know, uh, new people who are into the industry to start a career with, and 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 uh, when when they look at the actual job uh, position advertisements, etc., the challenge they see is so much of technical jargon around. Where should I start? What should I do? And fun part is uh, even the advertisements, which says that you know we require I don't know pretty newbie in the market, maybe one year or sometimes a fresher. But they are, they ask if you see it looks like more like a ten year or twelve year, sometimes even more. Asking ten different tools may or may not be requirement as well. But then yeah, that 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 actually pulls them aside or confuses them basically. Right, and this this particular idea when you were discussing with me, I felt like you know, why can't I help? Because I've gone through this phase, right? When I completed my college and I wanted to make a mark uh, in my career, then what should I do? I struggled a lot, uh, being in a developing nation, and then uh, the resources at that time, like internet and all, is very premium. I yeah. used to spend seven dollars per hour to access internet. That was about twenty-two years ago, probably. Wow. <laughs> And then uh, the, the the interesting part is when I went to my college professors and said, like, look, I wanted to do something different. I don't want to be in a mainstream, uh, uh, you know, college, uh, I mean, passed out uh, with just a college degree. You know, what difference it makes? You know, uh, what what is that USP that I can develop in these three years or four years of my graduation, so that I am better equipped. I never got a proper solid answer that would motivate me. Yeah. But then I, that, that increased my curiosity. I, I'm a person who always looks on the other side of things, right? So, yeah. okay, yeah. this is not working this way. Let me do my own research. I went to libraries, 
I've gone through journals, and thanks to my grand uh, grandfather, you know, he used to have a habit of you know collecting good articles in uh, newspapers and you know, magazines, and used to collect them and file them up. My parents still care. send me still send me clippings from newspapers and things like that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I can I can flood your inbox then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Please. Right. right. So so he gave one day. Uh, you know, there is an analogy partly because of my uh, uh, mythological roots uh, in, in in the family. Yeah. Uh, I always believe. You know, if you try perseverantly on a positive thing, right? You you get away in some form or shape. You can, you can find a way. Uh, interestingly, he gave me a big bunch of newspaper cuttings. He said, it is your holidays. Try to file them, put it in a proper album. I was actually <laughs> taking the glue and sticking them up. Yeah. And one simple uh, ad, a four-line ad, uh, interested me. It says about you know, infrastructure certifications uh, we are going to offer in so-and-so place in Bangalore, uh, in southern India. Uh, and I said, I never heard of it. I think this is something that I need to explore. Immediately, like all that. Believe me, it was not mobile phones. It was not landline phones in India. I took my bicycle out. I immediately went to a nearby telephone, which is about a kilometer away. <laughs> then I, I, awesome. I rang them. Uh, and they said, like, you know, so many budge words. Every, every letter, every word actually increased my curiosity that I need to meet these people. Wow. So next day, I went. Uh, and then uh, I've gone through the prospectors of the course, all the stuff. It interested me. So then I came back and I was thinking, okay, the mainstream uh, graduates, they go to a uh, company, uh, big MNCs. In India, there is no scare <laughs> uh, of scarcity of any MNCs. You know, you find all big big MNCs. You know, making having an office in the city. Yeah. So you go there, they offer you something, they, they train you something, and which may or may not be of your interest area. So I should not be in that group. I need to defend my career. So uh, I said, like, okay, out of 100 people, I'm comparing with my student group, my student peers, right? You know, out of 100 students, when I'm asking everyone, they simply say, I wanted to become a software professional, or I wanted to join and pick IT and say, okay, what do you want to do? I would like to code. I would like to develop some software. No one said, unfortunately at that time, that I wanted to support the infrastructure. No one said that. Yeah, it's super uncool, right? You want to be the sexy programmer guy who's developing yeah. all the cool stuff. It's, it's a practical thing, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I wanted to achieve something quick and, and the competition is less is what I see in this career compared with other. You know, I need yeah. to compete with 100 people. Yeah. And I need to compare it with a handful of people here. Yep. So my success is more in this area. So this is wow. what I saw. Good statistical analysis there from an <laughs> early age. Very clever. Right. Uh, and, and I always have a good rapport with my dad. Uh, so I discussed the same point with my dad. Dad, I'm, I'm sort of mixed minds. This is what I'm thinking. Is this right? Well, he gave the same analogy. Um, if you go against the group, you know, you need to fight with everyone and then you may win at a later time. It takes so much of effort. There is a path, but believe me, it is going to be tough. That's what he said, because the resources are limited, right? But you need to literally you know, put your efforts beyond 100% for the next few years, and then you can be successful. So don't take a step back after taking a decision. That's, that's what he said. You, you think before, you think too much, that's fine. Take two months, three months, that's fine. But once you take a decision, you should not 
repent. Oh, I shouldn't yeah. have done that, right? <laughs> so, so then, then I went there and then I enrolled. Uh, luckily, uh, there was quite a bit of great people that I met during the time, like the trainers and all. Yeah. Uh, and and each one has a separate story of their own. Why did they came in there? As you rightly said, you know they they came from different walks of life. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the trainer that uh, trained me, particularly on the infrastructure uh, support piece, uh, for about good three months of time, uh, he was actually an uh, you know uh, bio- biological uh, science student, and he got interested and moved into this side. Yeah. So, so then I went there. Uh, by the time I come, I complete my college degree, I was already Microsoft certified. So then I was pretty confident. Okay, I'm sure I'll get a job. With a normal uh, college degree, it's not from a premier institute. Uh, how do you expect that is what my colleagues and my, my friends used to say. Then I said, like, I have something more than no one else in my peer group has. Yeah. Already certified on few technologies. Oh, what is that? Okay. Yeah. That itself is enough. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have a niche. Yeah. So well, that's what I did. Back, back, in, back in the day, that was like, you know, people, I think we've all become, thanks to the internet, we've all become a lot more technically aware and astute than we once were. I mean, I remember when mobile phones came out, I was just kind of gobsmacked, you know. I saw a guy come into the deli. I'd finished high school and I was working in the deli and a guy came in with a mobile phone. I'm like, whoa, look at that. That guy's got a mobile phone. And emails, like I was listening to Triple J as a uni student and I remember Michael Tan on Triple J said, "Oh, you know, you can you can call me on this number, or you can you can send me a letter to this address, or you can send me an email." And I was like, "Email? What is an email? Like, how does that work?" I remember, just you know, I don't know. I'm really showing my age here, but yeah, there's a sort of magical quality to it for us, you know, more experienced. People. Yeah. So the first part of my career in my office and all my senior, there was one senior who's very particular. Um, when I, I, I write back something that it's in the mail, use it to question back immediately. What do you mean by mail? Is it the normal postal mail or email? Be very exactly. clear about it. Exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. Uh, then uh, we use it to have this tendency of sending cards via post, like for uh, New Year's Day or birthday and all. It's a big practice in India that we used to follow right from my engage. As, for, as, as good as like three years, four years, I should remember, right from my nasty days, I used to give cards to my classmates and all. Uh, I never imagined at one stage that we we don't even need to go to a post office to send a post to greeting card. Right? So you send it through email. Now even you have your social <laughs> tools like WhatsApp, what's not Instagram, yeah. what's not, right? Absolutely. So, Time movers. Yeah. Then uh, when I started my career, uh, it took me a little bit more serious now. Okay, I learned something. I started my career. I was a field uh, person there working for a small company after doing some freelancing. But by the way, Banu, I've, I've, I've just realized that um, I, I, we've both been so excited to, to talk and, and, uh, and to develop these ideas that I've forgotten to introduce you and, and you've forgotten to, well, I've forgotten to introduce you and ask you to explain who you are and what you do. Maybe it's a good <laughs> point. Maybe, maybe we should just quickly insert that bit. Yeah. And, so, then, and then you can continue your, your origin story, which is yeah, fascinating. Uh, I'm basically a cyber and risk professional working for Tata's, uh, supporting a major banking client in Australia. Okay. Uh, prior to that, I did work with an energy and uh, integrated services company. Uh, okay. Through TCS again. Okay. 
and uh, overall uh, with the industry experience of about 16 plus years multitude of certifications uh, both product and you know uh, industry centric uh, as well and and very keen to talk to people uh, help them fix them you know that's one of the things so that that's what i was discussing before briefly problem solving uh, yeah okay so, so once oh, and, and and your and what's your name my name is banu and what's your surname Oh, you want to complete fill my name with the program? You know, it's a pretty long name. Typical yeah. South Indian. Go on, name. let's have it. Banu Prakash is better. <laughs> okay, Banu Prakash. And yeah. what does it mean? Well, Banu is a synonym of sun god, and Prakash is uh, the shine. So it's wow. pretty much a sunshine. Wow! Wow! Well, from from your smile, I can tell you it's a very appropriate name. Uh, I never know. My mom and dad made a good guess then. <laughs> They sure did. They sure did. It's permanently etched on your face. It's one of your most uh, redeeming qualities. You're always smiling. That's wonderful. Well, that, it, that's what uh, uh, I'll come to that. Why I, yeah. I, I I developed this, I can say. I was sort of an introvert person when I was in school and all. But then when I joined a mainstream job, that's where I understood that, okay, knowing or developing a technical skill is just a minor aspect of your job life or your professional life for that matter end of the day you deal with people so you should also know how to handle people how to make relationships how to influence people right and uh, one thing that i have seen uh, at that uh, start uh, starting point of my career you know people who are very successful and very senior uh, one common quality that i have observed is they never use it to fumble at the time of pressure because they never used to let it out on their face and they used to smile have have to carry that smile always you know and that's what i felt oh i think this is the difference <laughs> i mimicked i am just what i am uh, from you know good people that i have met over my experience of right and and uh, partly because of uh, as i earlier said of mythological roots uh, i follow bhagavad gita a lot uh, wherein it's that you know you need to put your efforts don't worry about the result right if you put diligently with proper sincerity and discipline your result will automatically come you need not worry about it and that's what i follow that's you very know? true that's yeah. very true easier easier said than done but i think you're right you know if you have a smile on your face even if you don't feel good like when you're feeling a bit you know i mean look cybersecurity is a very stressful job right because um it's i suppose it's a little bit like being the goalkeeper in in football it's a lot of pressure and when things go wrong you you get blamed um well, and no what do you think well, is that a, is that a I bad analogy in a different way i okay. see it in a different way okay um it's yeah it's always at limelight i can say yeah. and when you are at limelight you know uh, there is an a saying you know people pelt stones on a tree which has which has fruits right so that's true right that's interesting so, so if you so knock the fruits off to yeah, knock the fruits off okay if you are getting some stones pelting on you that means you are doing something impactful <laughs> that's true that's true and and uh, the way that i see a career is you know you do career you do a job you do a business and you earn money you get uh, whatever the materialistic pleasures that you wanted to enjoy with yourself or family but ultimately there is a factor called satisfaction right whether you are yeah. satisfied with what you are doing is something that defines your success as well because you you get that motivation automatically that you need to be in that industry and develop more um uh, overall about of course cyber security is a lucrative career i say but at the same time 
it gives you that sense of uh, satisfaction when you try to improve or you know try to stop something happening uh, negatively to the organization or an asset or a person and and it, it's more like I'm, you know you're doing a security job similar to an army person inside in the in the data world you know oh army. you're right you're absolutely right you know i i i have to say um i have in my career as a in in recruitment you know i've been doing this for a long time um 15 years one of these days i'll actually get good at it if i keep trying but um i i've done i've worked in a lot of different areas of of recruitment i've worked in a lot of different niches and verticals you know um and cybersecurity has has been uh far and above the most rewarding because of what you were just saying you know essentially what you're doing is you're um you're protecting people online you know you're protecting uh their data you're protecting their assets their privacy uh from bad people from people with nefarious purpose and there's something massively rewarding about that you know um you know i don't want to sound self congratulatory but it's kind of a noble profession isn't it i mean i don't know it's kind of like i feel like you know when when we were kids growing up we always wanted to be the good guys and i kind of feel like we're the good guys superhero <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah absolutely and 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 for the people who are not in cybersecurity i think it's important that they understand that you know it's it's a very rewarding uh role i mean as you mentioned earlier of course there's financial rewards as well because it's very much in demand but ultimately you know money doesn't make you happy it's what you do and the significance of what you do and the people with whom you do it it's the the experiences that you have that really create uh value and worth and um it's really worthwhile and i I've, i've really enjoyed it and i get an enormous satisfaction out of being involved in these projects you know which which especially i mean covid's been a very interesting time hasn't it there's been uh, a fairly substantial increase in cybercrime uh, definitely in terms of the um the the public awareness of cybercrime there've been quite a few big incidents you know um all sorts of things in the news solar winds um ransomware stuff you've had uh you know the attacks on the uh vaccine producing companies the companies that keep the vaccines refrigerated as they ship them there's been a huge i think increase in public awareness um and and that really highlights the need for this for this industry and and for more people to come and do it because it's very rewarding you know protecting these things are these pillars of our society you know the very thing that keeps our economy going and um well not just our economy but things like health for example you know healthcare industry is a, is a uh heavily targeted industry as well so there's a, a a tremendous sense of uh well-being i think to be found in in engaging in cybersecurity as a profession absolutely absolutely and needless to say one important factor because of this covid of course there used to be remote working before but organizations operating models completely changed now their most of their workforce are working remote new style of uh, you know running the operations across the board right and that brings inherent challenges now how secure am i running the operations because earlier i have a more cocoon setup which is more secure to control when everyone are at one place but now it is even tougher right new technologies new risks 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Convenience brings more risks again, anyway. Big time. Big time. Big time. Yeah. I would very much like to um, uh, loop back to this whole um, COVID period and the effect that it's had on the cybersecurity industry, you know, um, in terms of a kind of micro level, you know, your day to day, for example, but also on a macro level, like how it's affected uh, the cybersecurity industry as a whole. Um, but before we delve into that, because I'm, I'm a look, I'm probably the worst guy to host a podcast because I go, just go off on tangents all the time because I get so excited. Let's just loop back to your origin story. So how did you end up here? So here you are, you're on this podcast, you're in Australia. Yeah. How did that happen? Let's well, travel back yeah. in time. We're jumping around. It's like watching Pulp Fiction. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so, so after starting my career, you know, uh, having a successful, because of so many good mentors across the period that I've met, uh, and uh, I worked most of my career uh, with uh, another major bank in uh, way back in India. And then after that, I felt like, what next I can do? What big I can do? Okay. Now I am reaching at a stage of stagnation within the bank. I worked in multiple departments. Now, what best I can do? How can I further improve myself? Uh, thereby contributing more to the industry as a whole. Then uh, the thing that came in my mind is, uh, why can't I explore abroad? Uh, and that's where I started applying for a permanent residency. And then uh, I traveled here briefly to understand the, the culture and feel of the country. Uh, because everyone has a mixed uh, feeling, right? You know, they, they, they say their own story, yeah. but then it might be different when you see the things on your own, right? You may perceive it differently. Altogether. So while I listen to everyone, but then I followed my heart to come here, uh, travel here, spend some good two months of time here. And uh... oh, okay. oh uh, what does that mean? Hang on a sec. Um, it's backwards for me. Movie recording has been... Yeah, maybe we need to restart another uh, Zoom session. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, the limit has has reached. Okay, wow, that was quick. Um, so what do I do? Hang on, do I just start again or stop video? <laughs> Let me just um, ask my uh, en- head of engineering, yeah, uh, Mr. Gildan. He's uh, he's the man. He he knows about all this stuff. He's very very technical. He's um, considerably younger than me. He's from the generation where all of this stuff just they were born into it. It's like an instinct. Not like me. I'm I still figure out my sums on a, on an abacus. <laughs> Here we go. God. It's amazing. We've already done 46 minutes. <laughs> You're going to have to come back on multiple occasions, Banu. There's, uh, uh, one hour is not going to be enough. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I did enjoy it as of now. Right? Good. You know, like yeah, going good. back yeah. to the history and uh, you know, yeah. trying to get that. Remember that the good old days. <laughs> yeah, the good old days, mate. The good old days. I love it. Well, you know what they say about nostalgia, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's not what it used to be. Well, I've, I've grown like that, you know, listening to my dad, my grandpa, and, and understand their life experiences, what they've gone through, you know. Yeah. I should also have some stories to say to my kids. Big time, <laughs> big time. But you know what? Like when you were telling me about you... Oh, really? So it's still recording? Okay. 
Is it that? Okay. Okay. So we're still recording. Okay, cool. So, um, great, Banu. Um, yeah. Fantastic. So, no, I was just, what I was saying was, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've known you, I've known you for a very long time. I've known you for a few months, but one of the things that always amazes me about you is um, the staggering amount of work that you fit into your, your day and your week. I mean, you, you're typically working from what, like 5 a.m. until 10 p.m.? Well, well, I'm more of a workaholic sort of a person, so yeah. I don't want to complain that. You know, yeah. that's, that's, oh, no, that's it's not. No, it's, I know you love it. I know you love it. And that's, you know, that's the amazing thing. I mean, um, you know, work is, is not work in that sort of maybe slightly um, um, pejorative way when you love what you do. It's not work. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. I love work, what I do. Like, yeah, I know what it. I do, so I prefer spending yeah. time on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that, 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 that's, that's amazing. And um, the thing that I wanted to say is, like, when you talk about the way that you grew, you grew up and the way that your, your, your uncle, I think it was, or your grandfather got you to arrange all of the clippings into an album, yeah, yeah. and then you saw the ad and you got on your bike and you rode to the, uh, you rode to the, the, the payphone and you made the call, that speaks volumes to me about the kind of person that you are. You're someone who's had to, like, really work, you know, put in a lot of, uh, hours a lot of effort a lot of commitment and passion you know it's not it wasn't something that was sort of handed to you it wasn't easy you made it happen you you know you rode a bicycle you went to the payphone you and then you you know you traveled across you've left india you've come to australia like there's a mindset there you know you, they, you, there's a very sort of powerful mindset there that it's no surprise that you've been as successful as you are because you just obviously you're an all or nothing kind of guy, right? You're just a very well. Well, what, what I perceive is, you know, high energy, no off first, switch. <laughs> first and foremost thing is, you know, yeah. the passion uh, yeah. on what you do, uh, whether it is cyber or any other industry for that matter, and then that automatically gives you that energy and direction where you need to head, right? Yeah. And, and uh, I, I believe this saying, you know, uh, you will lose only when you stop trying, right? Uh, so, so we need to keep exploring new things, keep exploring new territories, you know. The other, other major point for me to travel to a completely new country yeah. uh, is, you know, life is uh, something that where you don't remember what you have earned uh, monetarily or, you know, what you have spent monetarily on an article or something after 10 years, 20 years. No, you may not know, know that. But you definitely understand what struggle you have gone through when you experienced a new culture and how you could able to transform yourself, to adjust yourself, to, to get into that culture and start going again, right? That, that gives an experience that can cherish for a lifetime, right? Sometimes you may be successful, sometimes you may not. That's part and parcel of life and, and you need to take it as it comes. But then the effort that you put matters. And when you are putting right efforts, the failure rate is very less. Is what I. Think. I agree. I agree yeah. absolutely. And and uh, the market here is uh, what I felt is uh, you know a bit of uh, my personal perception when I came here is uh, industry is more uh, uh, concerned about you know fear of failure. So the adaptation uh, is little uh, late compared with other competitive uh, nations. 
uh, where they quickly take a technology and uh, drive it up. But Australia as a whole, what I personally feel is takes time, watches it. Okay, it looks successful. Why can't we transfer it now? Right? Uh, so when I came to Australia and started looking at the industry, uh, what sort of challenges they are going through? Today. For example, the Royal Bank Commission, which was just you know making its mark in the news quite frequently when I came here. And then it is no different from uh, what US has gone through or European markets has gone through about five, six years or seven, eight years before. They've gone through the same transformation and Australia is just about to start that, right? Okay. Right. So, so, so I'm not doing something different. I'm yeah. just, you know, using an experience which is there already. Yeah. Trying to apply in a more common sense way here in my day-to-day -day life, right? So yeah. that's what it is. And then uh, you can't experience everything on your own. You need to learn from others' experience. Uh, that's true. That's and, true. And that's what Australia does. We, 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 uh, is that what you mean? Like we're a little bit measured. We sit back and we look at what's going on around us and then we see what other people are doing and evaluate the pros and cons of what options they've taken. And then more we... evaluation happens before okay. actually accepting something. Okay. Yes. So it, it, that, 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 that sounds like a fairly, um, I guess there's pros and cons to every approach, but I guess, um, it, it makes sense to learn from other people's mistakes rather than from your own, right? Correct, correct. See, it's not a uh, negative thing I can say. It's, it's, it's the, it's the uh, way that the thought process of the uh, society is, right? You know, uh, that reflects into the thinking, uh, your strategy, uh, the industry strategy, everything. It's, it, industry is nothing but made up of the people living in the country. And right. it directly reflects to the culture associated with it. Absolutely. And, 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 and uh, the other thing that I loved about this country is people are fun-loving, you know. They value work. At the same time, they value importance of life as well. Right? You know, you need to travel or you do that barbecues with yeah. friends and family, yeah. have that, you know, uh, social gatherings and all, you know, the importance that has been uh, given uh, on both the sides actually interested me, right? And then I started traveling uh, when I first came to Australia on my personal visit. Uh, I started from Perth. I traveled throughout all the all the major cities. I've spent a good amount of like ten days, fifteen days in each of the city. And really? Then, Dri did you drive? How are you getting around? Were you were you training it or driving? At that point of time, I did not have a car. It's a, it's a trip, just a small trip. So okay. uh, I haven't invested, and I was doing more of an you know backpacker sort of an uh, travel. You know. Oh, cool. Uh, take host, take uh, accommodations in the hostels, and then throughout the day explore the things. See the great way to meet people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk to people um, in the train, in the bus, wherever you go to a coffee shop, you know, try to yeah. and try to understand. And what I felt is, you know, this is the place where I can definitely feel myself comfortable. And then I went back to India. Uh, my, my friend said that, you know, why you always challenge yourself and then try to do something new always every three years, five years, six years. Then I said, like, that is what life is, right? You need to do new things, make yeah. yourself exciting. So change is inevitable, though, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. you have to embrace that. Whether you want change, like even if you're the most uh, risk-averse, change-resistant person out there, change is inevitable. So change is only permanent, is yeah. what we generally refer, right? So yeah. if you don't do it, there is some other aspect which pushes you to get a change, right? And rather than that, you take a change on which is under your control. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Under your control, right? You know, big time, big time.
and the more and the more you do it sorry sorry ben i just want to say the more like someone like you who proactively goes out there and finds new ways to change uh your the status quo mix things up challenge yourself when life really throws a curveball at you you're a lot more equipped to deal with it you've built up your you've you've developed your change muscles yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. So, so uh, coming back to uh, uh, this this journey, then I came here, and uh, the other thing what I understood is it's not going to be easy to find your first job in Australia for sure, because it's more about you know people centric. Uh, uh, you need to have that good level of network built here in order to make a career, uh, at least at an uh, handful of good connects that you need to maintain, and that's where I. First connected uh, to one of your colleague uh, Matt, yeah, <laughs> and, and he's been throughout that journey uh, since I came here for good. Uh, since then, he's the first person that I met, to be honest, in in recruitment uh, side of the. Okay, yeah, well, that was so, lucky. Yeah, <laughs> I you was found lucky. a safe. You found a safe harbor in an otherwise stormy absolutely, sea. Absolutely, and yeah. and we 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 had a coffee catch up in John Street, and then. I used to constantly, you know, be in touch with him, try to understand what I am doing. Is there anything my approach going wrong, or you know, getting some guidance around? Uh, and 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 it was it was uh, very helpful for me uh, to understand the uh, intricacies within the uh, job search, right? Yeah. And uh, the way that uh, I perceived is, you know, first thing that I have done, like any anyone else, any new migrant who come here, start applying. I start up, started applying. Yeah. Uh, and then... Put yourself out there, mate. Yeah. Have a go. Have a go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So immediately, within a short while, uh, I'm getting a response back that, sorry, we're not considering you further. Then I was a little curious. See, I, my profile is at least something that makes someone to at least look at it and have an initial dialogue. How many and years... How many years... Of, how many years of cybersecurity had you had before you came to Australia? Uh, I was about 13 plus years at the time. Wow, that's hefty. Yeah. So, and how many years so ago? I, how many years ago was your arrival? Sorry, Banner. When did you yeah, actually 2018, arrive? 2018. Okay. Uh, okay. Cool. Wow. Right. So, so a veteran of the industry, not not. I mean, definitely with a staggering amounts of experience to offer in the yeah, local market. So, so my my factor, uh, the, the thing that I have seen is, uh, I'm not disappointed because. What I felt is people did not care to look at my profile because if they definitely had look at it, would look at it, then they should have definitely thought of at least talking to me once. Yeah. So then, why that? Why and my next question is why my profile is not being looked at, right? <laughs> so then I am doing something wrong, which is not creating that curiosity for them to go through it. Right. It's all time, and everyone has limited time. And then within that limited time, I'm not creating that interest, then I can't expect a response. Yeah. So it's not about the failing, failed response, but it's about my portrait of my skill set in a proper way, which is creating that enthusiasm for right. the recruiter to look at it. Right. So I, I found a way. I, yeah. So I spoke to a few people who migrated and what they did. And I was pinpointing on the particular uh, situation where they finally managed to get a job, what did they exactly do, right? And almost everyone said, 
I was in connect with this recruiter or this gentleman in the industry, and he shown me a job in his circuit. And then I applied. So then I understood, okay, this is more impactful if I need to have someone who is also looking, who knows me at a personal level after a you know, relationship, maybe after a month or two months with the regular connects and all. And then taking their recommendations ahead will add more value for me to be successful. And the second thing is it's a chain of events. I wrote on a board, uh, what are the chain of events that I need to expect when I'm typically applying a job. I look at a position and that's where it starts till I get an offer letter and join so I, I did that work breakdown structure in project management. Uh, what will happen at each stage? Oh, really? Is there any substage in it? Works. Like yeah. a workflow, like a sort of um, a pyramid, like, like this is how many applications I make. Based on that number of applications, this is how many interviews I get. No, no, no. Uh, that, that is different, you know. Okay. That is after application. My idea is where I'm going wrong, where I need to improve. So I need to understand the life cycle first. Okay, there is a job which is hosted today in say LinkedIn or C. Yeah. And here I need to get get to a stage where I need to get an offer, right? Yeah. So the, the, the typical duration, the entire life cycle is what I broke down into multiple stages. Look at the job, understand the requirements, understand the skill mapping, what I have got to that. How do I portray? Is it a detailed CV or a precise one that they are looking at? What should I write in the cover note, right? And then uh, what I found out is this is entirely one activity which interconnects across. So job ad should interest me, right? I should align uh, what value I can bring to that job, put it in a cover note, complement it with my CV, which has more detailed relations with what I have quoted before in the cover note briefly, and then have a follow-up. You need to have a proper recording mechanism. That's what you were referring to. How many have applied, what stage it is in and all, maybe a tracker. And then periodical follow-up. Because end of the day, people forget, you know. Yes. It's one application for them out of 100. For me, it is one. <laughs> so the other way around, right? So this is what I followed. I started getting responses back. <laughs> That's genius. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then other thing what I did is, uh, typically in India, we don't get contact numbers uh, for uh, job positions. Ideally, they you hardly get an email ID of the recruiter, not even hiring manager. But it's the other way around in Australia. You have contact numbers given in most of the job. And I spoke to many of uh, people from my subcontinent who came here. They all said that we never called recruiters. We never spoke to hiring managers. Then I said, what is the fun in giving a number, boss? They are giving a number there. That means they are expecting us to reach. Yeah. And again, I use the same analogy which I used in my college. So no one are trying to reach. So that means I have the search if I make that contact. Very true. Right. right. So I started calling. Uh, but then it's all trial and error, right? Uh, uh, and you need to learn from it. I applied and then I called. Uh, the response I got is, oh, when did you apply? Uh, okay, sorry, I haven't had a chance to look at it. I'll come back to you. Oh, okay. The other way around is... I need to create an interest to him such that he need to look at it. So instead of applying first, after aligning, I use it to prepare an elevator pitch, a brief elevator pitch, how I can make value impactfully in first two, three lines of my introduction. Right? <laughs> and I used to call them. Hey, look, you are looking for this particular option and I've seen your ad and that interested me. I did this, 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 and this, which you are looking at. And I feel I have a perfect skill set mapping to your requirement. 
Uh, would that be okay if I can able to click on my CV and then you can have a look? Said, yeah, yeah, please do. This is my email ID. Okay. I use it to keep my email in the draft. It is email ID and then send it. Okay. In next one minute, you should see that. Why can't we just take a look at my CV once? So it so, was more successful. So you would you would uh, you would stay on the phone with them while they looked at your profile. Yeah, I mean, I was creating that curiosity. You know, I yeah. have what I have got, what I have made an impact in my career. Yeah. And then they they spend the 10, 20 seconds or 30 seconds of email delivery and then opening, right? And that's where the success starts, right? You know, they understand what I have done in my CV, in my cover note, and then rest is history. They started, you know, pushing me to good. Uh, positions which are there in the market and slowly I could able to find a role in TCS uh, and then uh, and, and then I joined here. Okay. But then uh, what I personally feel are uh, to, to all the young people is don't follow the crowd. Listen to everyone, use your heart, your judgment and try to identify the entire flow of the things, how it is happening as a whole, right from application to the Stays where you are, uh, you know, getting a job offer and joining a company, right? Absolutely. And, and uh, try to see where you are wrong. Yeah, yeah. So everyone it's, has good amount of technical skills. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No, so and it's not it, every job is relevant. That's true. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Not every right. job is relevant. That is also uh, we should be very clear. Sometimes on a specific week, believe me, in my entire one week, I could only apply for one position. There were five, six hundred vacancies that I have gone through, but then I applied only for one position. Yeah. The reason is I felt like I think this is something I align more, right? So it's not about number. It's about the quality that you spend on your profile matching to that where you carry that niche skills and portray it correctly. Your Absolutely. Is more. All it needs is one position, one position, one uh, correct, uh, I know, uh, uh, position where you can align yourself more precisely and produce yourself as the right resource for them. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the key takeaways for me from what you just said are um, uh, focusing on the people, building the relationship, ensuring that you're front of mind right. and that you have, uh, that you're building a relationship with this person. Because if, if they connect well with you and you speak to them with uh, passion and enthusiasm, they're going to be thinking, wow, you know, this, is, this, this guy is great. Listen to his energy. I love the way he's proactive. He's really standing out from the crowd. My client's going to love him. This guy's a go-getter. He's, he's intelligent. He's, you know, he's figured out the process. Because you know, I know a lot of extremely experienced uh, people who still have not quite figured that part out. And it is very, very important in a competitive market. Absolutely. I mean, particularly, uh, I think this is a very valuable insight from you, Banu, particularly considering the fact that, you know, the world right now is going through a very tough economic time, and there's going to be a lot of people um, out of work who are looking for their next role. So this is a fantastic blueprint for them to follow. You know, be cherry-pick your opportunities. Um, uh, ensure that, your, uh, that your, your cover letter and your CV is aligned. And then build that relationship and make sure that you're front of yeah. mind, you know, so that even if this one's this one doesn't work out, the next time a similar role comes along, the guy is actually picking up the phone to you. Yeah, it's it's like a funnel, you know, your mistakes are wide and it slowly reduces because you're focused on those two, three core things. 
Exactly. And ultimately, you commit less mistakes. That means exactly. you are more closer to your success. Exactly. Now, this this approach that you have, which is very, um, you know, it's a very you've you've analyzed the whole thing. You've you've you know you've whiteboarded it. You've created a you've you've mapped out the process, and then you've refined it at each kind of um, critical juncture. Uh, you've you've you know you've corrected your course. You've refined your process. Is this approach how you operate in your role, your current role? Like you know, maybe perhaps if you could talk about well, what what you well, currently yeah, do. Yeah, I, I, I get it. You know, yeah, you 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 need to be innovative if you want to make your mark, right? You if you are doing uh, the same good old way, everyone does that. What is your USP that you are going to create in the work workplace, or you know? that, that, that uh, special uh, impact that you can create, right? Absolutely. So people refer it as smart work. I refer it as innovative approach, right? Yeah. It's all, it's all you know, for example, uh, if, I, if I drill down the same, same analogy of job search, right? Uh, when I'm calling, my peak success rate uh, uh, of, of, you know, getting someone's time is at start of the day. Right around like eight eight thirty between Absolutely. eight to nine a.m. That's where I used to have more success. Right before so people did, while they while they're drinking their coffee before they go into their meetings, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it is after nine, most of the time I need to leave a voice message and then I need to do multiple follow-ups to actually get hold of them. Right, so yeah. that is not uh, fruitful. So I use it to put a schedule to my job search. Right. Uh, the day before, I plan. Okay, this is the vacancy I need to ta- target for mm-hmm. tomorrow, and these are the two people I need to get hold of. Yeah. And then make that call. Right. Getting everything drafted, get it ready to hit the send button. But then uh, the, the 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 main impact here is if I send it a day before, for example, in the evening, when you open your inbox, right. You see the more latest email on top of it, not the previous day's email, right? So in case if I need to do a cold uh, sort of a call, I need to send an ECV and then need to follow it up. I prefer sending at start of the day, just before they enter, like 7.45, 7.30 sort of a timeline, I, I sent it because it, it stays afresh on the top. In the Absolutely. Inbox, right? Absolutely. And, and, then, and, then, and then a follow-up call. All right, so that's that's where you have more success. People will look at it. That's true. That's true. And and Banu, one of the things that um, the, the, one of the things that you've you've told me that you're particularly good at, and that your 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 peers perhaps have appreciated about you, is your ability to push things through, to you know get the right people involved, to have well, the maximum effect. That seems to be one of your key things you're yeah, good at so you're good partly at- because of uh, my my interest in mentoring uh, people uh, so right from my uh, college days i used it to talk to my juniors and try to help them uh, understand in general how to tackle a situation right uh, so that that is even done today several of uh, new migrants or you know uh, new college uh, kid who was just coming out of the college and all used to ping me in LinkedIn. I spent time to talk to them, make their calls, try to make them understand, uh, and, and then you know guide them through. Um, so 
it's it again relates to the same logic right and you need to you can't get best people always you need to make them best right yes um, everyone has a strength everyone has a weakness if you see as a person that might be a big challenge but if you see as a team yes you have handful of people with a technical skill handful of people with an you know charismatic interpersonal skills you know it's mix of all and align your deliverables accordingly follow the same analogy break down to a minute of the task and try to give the, the task to the people who can excel in that right so that's the that's the way that i feel so uh, and then it gives you uh, a good uh, happiness as well at the end of the day when you go back to bed okay i i it was a challenging thing for many days or for many people i thought something differently i did this yeah i got success yeah it's good or i failed okay i learned from this yeah absolutely yeah. oh my goodness it's me i mean simple, uh, struggle struggle is the target. is the only way to, to evolve better. evolve right you have to struggle to evolve yeah yeah so i used to read this uh, saying a lot i don't know where i picked it right from my english i always used to do. you need to be you need not put a very stiff target that i need to climb mount everest right it should be a very consistent stage by stage approach so you should better yourself compared with what you were before absolutely right? absolutely uh, from compared with yesterday i do something better today and compared with today tomorrow i need to do something better absolutely. and automatically at the end of one month months one year there's a huge difference as a person big time big time you know i mean ultimately today is all we have right so uh i think it's a very good way to look at life and it's a great way not to get overwhelmed i mean it's very easy to be overwhelmed in this in the world that we live in we're bombarded with so many so many things so much stimuli so to be able to just break it down yeah. into small bite-sized pieces i think is really is a, a very a very good way to do it but so you know banner you have yeah. i think you've got a you've made some like very interesting points um your your blueprint on how to get a job in australia if you're new to the country i think is is absolutely great and i think that you know there must be a way we can kind of get this message well i suppose we're kind of doing it now with the podcast but do you um you like helping people do you um do you have a sort of formal mechanism for um you know passing this knowledge and tips on to people who arrive in the country in your situation you know people who cybersecurity professionals from abroad for example um and i'm sure we're going to have a lot more uh people um who really want to come to australia following covid-19 because i think internationally uh we we we've done pretty well in managing the pandemic you know we're a, an island in the middle of nowhere which of course is an advantage um australia has always been a very popular uh, spot for for people to 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 migrate to emigrate to to migrate to never sure of the difference there i'm a migrant matt moran who you mentioned earlier he's a migrant we're all we're all newcomers to australia relatively speaking um you know uh we're probably going to have a lot more i think once uh the world returns to normal um you know Absolutely. what 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 do you do to kind of pass this message on to people in your situation well well at this moment of time uh, i am not doing it in a more structured and a formal way but uh, you know uh, linkedin is a good starting space or you know uh, people you come across every day in your life you know when they are struggling you know start start helping them it's it's not about again the same analogy not uh, going behind the large numbers of you know doing that big meetups and all yeah. even if you help one person 
Um, so my dad used to practice uh, uh, homeopathy uh, as a hobby yeah. uh, in India. And uh, they, they, their group uh, used to have one uh, line which always interests me. Uh, treat 10 freely, teach one daily. I like right. it. Uh, so, so if if I if I take it to my analogy, treat is nothing but I'm I'm not a doctor, but but at the same time I can work and try to fix hundred things, ten things, whatever, right? That's my work. But at the same time, if I I, I help one person to make mark in the industry, uh, find a job or find a career, that is good enough. But then yeah, I'm I'm more keen to associate with people like you and try to see if put a formal approach to it and then try to start helping people. Big time. Better, better, better big time big time i mean yeah you like i'm sure in in your i mean ultimately it really comes back to the people doesn't it and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do this podcast one of the things that i consistently hear from cybersecurity professionals is that um people in a let's take cybersecurity in a, in, a, in an organizational um framework uh the people in the organization both both the first and the last line of defense um you know the 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 ultimate vulnerability for any company are the people aren't they right like most people i think you know we were talking well, earlier that's about, a very good uh, good and important topic yeah right? okay. um, no matter how much investment that company make uh, to secure their infrastructure you know they put a new say network security device a firewall or, you know put a, a, a proxy, whatever, whatnot. Uh, spend millions of dollars to, to upgrade the infrastructure is not enough because awareness of the users is more important. You know, If they are doing something silly and knowing that if, if organization is not investing on building uh, that awareness across the user group is always at risk. Believe me, how much they invest, it doesn't matter. So user awareness is pretty important activity. Yeah, there are drills like you know, uh, phishing campaigns, internal ones to see how how people are reacting, whether they are clicking something, and then or whether they are reporting, and then try to have more more structured approach to educate those groups. But uh, nevertheless, it's it's an uh, continuous uh, journey, uh, right? You know, there is no specific set of a course or you know uh, and and model that you can follow it simply says that okay you do these 10 things you start these 10 campaigns that's enough no it's a dynamic thing you know people secure it uh, organization secure it and then malicious people has that intent to break in some form or shape and then you improve it again it's a continuous cycle exactly. similarly your awareness should also be a continuous journey absolutely it's escalation theory isn't it it's like um yeah. The police, uh, the police, the police take the decision to have weapons. Then the the bad guys get bigger weapons, and then the police have to get even bigger weapons. It's escalation, right? Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. The, the, the better you get, uh, the 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 better your um your your opposition gets. I mean, it's just the diametrically opposed forces they collide and then can contribute to one another's growth. So no, it's it's absolutely. interesting. You know, I I when I um. You know, when, um, and we were talking, we alluded to, to the fact that earlier we were talking about the kind of growing profile of cybersecurity and that it used to be this kind of tiny corner of technology, you know, those kind of um, slight outcasts over in the, in, the, in, the, in the back corner of the IT department, you know, the, the fun police, the, 
the department of no, all of the various jokes about cybersecurity. And now it's this um, um, very well-known industry that, uh, that you hear about regularly in the media. And, you know, if you look at a lot of action movies nowadays, Hollywood will often make movies where the bad guys aren't, you know, plane hijackers or anything like that anymore, or uh, terrorists. They're actually, you know, cyber terrorists, hackers and things like that. So I think the, uh, there is a sort of prevalent misconception that, um, uh, you know, cybersecurity or cybercrime is predominantly uh, these, these guys uh, in, in boiler rooms in Eastern Europe um, creating these exploits to bring down the Pentagon and things, when in actual fact, most, most of the cyber incidents that organizations go through are actual social engineering, right? It's more social engineering yeah, that, than... That's, as I told you, right, earlier, yeah, as I earlier told you, it's more fictionous in yeah. movies. Yeah. But then uh, it's, it's, a, it's a common sense analogy, right? You know, it, if you need to actually uh, learn cybersecurity, you need to relate uh, the, the technology bits with your real life aspects. Say, you just compare to your house, you know, you need to secure it before going out. Yeah. Right. Uh, or even if you are sleeping at night, for example, you can't leave your door open, right? You still try to close it, put little security around it, yeah. or you have a door, or you have some, you know, alarm to arm it, right? You know, it depends on on on, on uh, this aspect in terms of whether you are securing it enough. You can't leave it, right? Yeah. The same applies to cybersecurity as well, and and um, to do that security for house, you have a lock. For organization, you may have a firewall. You may have some other technology, uh, right? You may have a physical security barrier to enter a building, right? All those things. But it's, it's common sense end of the day, right? Yeah. You see what in real life is transposed into the electronic world as simple as that. And, Com- and that helps you to understand the subject also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good thing, I mean, not the good thing, but the, the consistent issue is that it's common sense, but common sense is not common practice, right? So people still do very, very, very silly things. You know, they, they, um, they, 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 they write their passwords down or they do their passwords like one, two, three, four, five, or password one, two, three, or, you know, all sorts of silly things, you know, it's, um, I I can tell you even a funny thing. I know, uh, some instances in newspapers or, you know, in some journals, which I have read, people wrote their pin number on their ATM card. Hiding in plain sight. They probably, that was probably the whole premise. They probably thought no one will assume it's my PIN number because they'll just think no one would be that stupid. Hiding in plain sight. Maybe it's an effective yeah, strategy. So, probably not. And, and, and uh, yeah, that's, that's again goes to awareness, right? You know, government is doing a lot. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's sort of a dry subject uh, for many people, too technical sometimes uh, when you are using so uh, big terms, you know, hacking, ransomware, this, that, and all, people get feared and it looks too complicated for them. But end of the day, uh, the approach that uh, organizations of the world need to take is make it more simpler. The message should be more simpler. You see, they need to simply say, you can lose your money if you are writing a password. Then yeah. technically, they will memorize it. You should not try to say that, you know, you should not write a password on a paper. You should not write on your ATM card. You should put a complicated thing and all. Never write it, you know. You try to create a habit of for people to know that they need to memorize. They should never write it. Yeah, absolutely. 
right? Absolutely. Or, or just get a, um, a password management software. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, this is a, this is a new I, thing for I me. It's that, amazing. I don't even know my passwords. I don't even know them. That's the, the great the, thing the about The fundamental here, what we need to see is when we are putting that message, try to reduce the complexity and the technical jargon so that a layman can easily understand the risk associated with it, at the same time, what he need to do to avoid that risk, right? Uh, if I relate to the same common sense analogy, you can secure your house by putting a lock. Simple, right? Yeah, exactly. But you need not say that what type of lock it is, what it's a biometric lock, all those things will come at a latest stage. But end of the day, the fundamental they need to understand is, in order to secure that room, I need to put a lock to it. Yes. What and type then- of lock? You are Yes, and then if it's a key lock, avoid putting the key under the mat in front of the door. Absolutely, whatever, right? So the the same common sense analogy should reflect into messaging. Uh, thanks to our uh, you know media these days to think very innovatively to put that messaging in that direction. But yeah, still there is good amount of work need to be done. Well, this is this is an interesting topic. So um, the federal government. Of Australia is investing a lot of money in cybersecurity. There is a staggering amount of uh, work going on in Canberra, um, and again, you know, the the demand for personnel far out, far outstrips the supply. Um, what strikes me as odd is that, and I understand as well that Australia is among the top five most heavily targeted. Countries in the world for cybercrime. So, in other words, you know, if if the bad guys have a list of the top softest targets, we're one of them. So, that being the case, um, I'm surprised, or maybe it's just a question of uh, a little bit of catch up that's required. But I think uh, what what we really need is, you know, we study uh, when I even when I was at school, there was computer science that was offered as a course at school not just at university, but at school as well. I didn't do it. I wish I, I, wish I had. I was busy learning other languages. Um, but um, th- there obviously needs to be some kind of a practical cybersecurity component of education. You know, Now that our whole lives are online, we yeah. need to be taught from an early age uh, what the threats, risks are, and how we can mitigate them. You know? Because yeah. um, we, are, we are, it's funny, I, I watched a program recently called uh, the social dilemma on uh, mm-hmm. Netflix. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the bits really made me um, uh, kind of laugh in a in a in a perhaps inappropriate way. But um, you know, there's only two areas in which human beings are called users. One one is drugs, and the other is online. You know, we are we are users. We are addic- addicts in a way to our online lives. Um, and all of that has happened so quickly; it's become so free, and but, yet, and yet, we have not. What has yet to kind of catch up with that rapid boom is the is the is the kind of the risks involved, the threats, the vulnerabilities. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, needless to say, government is investing a lot, billions of dollars, to uplift. Uh, the security posture of entire country, uh, including industries, including people, knowledge levels, and all. Uh, I just screen. Was that is that me or is that you? Yeah, I can see myself. <laughs> oh, you can. See. Where have I gone? I've disappeared. I've gone. I'm in the dark web. That's what's happened. I've 
the podcast has slipped onto the dark web. Well, or someone sniffing it. <laughs> oh dear. Oh yeah, the sniffing. Oh my God, there's so many interesting things in uh, cybersecurity. The myriad of different things. Sniffing. Yeah, that's quite and an amazing thing. The thing about it is, you know, it's. it's it's what is sniffing, Banu? Explain it, explain it to the people who don't know what it is. What well, is sniffing? It's like, you know, someone trying to, you know, gather information by, by you know, uh, getting into a place where uh, <laughs> they, they are not supposed to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In simpler words. Uh, well, coming back to this, uh, oh, I think that video is still... Let me just double check with my, my engineer, Banu, one second. Excuse me, uh, head of engineering. <laughs> Joe Rogan has Jamie. I've got James. <laughs> uh, this has happened. I've slipped into the dark web. Do you know what that's about? Uh, I don't. Okay. 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 Absolutely. It's a podcast. So don't worry about it. Anyway, my mum always said I had a great face for radio. So maybe it's better that you can't see me. I hope you're not going to be self-conscious up there on your own. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that that's that interesting. You know, we we do face that uh, due to technology blips sometimes, even in present-day video chats and meetings. So yeah. It's, exactly. It's exactly. So, it's a pleasure to watch two technology professionals at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So coming back to this <clears throat> analogy of uh, you know what, what government spend is going on uh, around this. So. Fundamentally, uh, to some extent, organizations also uh, understood the fact that you know they need to uplift their overall security posture, and they are having their own red teaming, blue teaming, what vulnerability scanning, whatever, right? And and continuing with their remediations. But it's more imperative for the common man to upskill their knowledge levels. That's the key here, uh, which I think need to be more concentrated, uh, more targeted. So. Uh, I, I'm still thinking because we still see so many uh, situations where people make some silly uh, mistake. We can't treat that as silly because they are not aware. They are not aware. That's why they are committing a silly uh, thing from a technical mindset. But see it from a layman mindset. It might be a big thing for him to actually unaware of the fact that you know they don't. They are not supposed to do it that way, right? So. It, it, it is that area where uh, maybe government need to concentrate a little more to educate people, maybe start good education uh, sessions at the schools and colleges to start with, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Banu, can you perhaps go into a little bit more detail? I mean, cybersecurity is, is an enormous uh, field. There are so many different uh, roles and responsibilities in cybersecurity. Can you perhaps tell everyone what you do? You know, yeah, I mean, what is your, what, what area of cybersecurity do you specialize in? And, and perhaps well, give us an idea well, of your day-to-day. -day uh, all my career, uh, I've been uh, doing several things relating to like support, uh, you know, the patching or, you know, the uh, quality metric maintenance and all those stuff. But currently more around uh, at a managerial level to, get several aspects of cybersecurity, be it the support side, be it you know, uh, other areas to uh, get to an uh, deliverable uh, according to the client requirement to their satisfaction. So predominantly it's more holistic role now, but uh, bits and pieces I've done all the things, majority things in cyber that, that are um, 
there uh, right now in some okay. form or shape. Be it you know infrastructure patching, be it infrastructure support, be it stock monitoring, all those stuff. Okay. Right? So it's not about uh, what I perceive is it's not about uh, an industry which is like look you need to learn one tool and you need to master it. You have several things. Uh, you know, uh, I personally feel rather than limiting yourself to one specific section of cybersecurity, try to have that horizontal uh, view to your uh, knowledge to build around. Okay, I'm good at maybe security monitoring in a SOC center. Why can't I try around other aspects like vulnerability management or maybe uh, the governance around it, which is also more important, right? It's not always only doing it, it is also how you portray it to the wider audience, get their understanding that where they stand, what are the improvement areas. So even governance plays a key role. Uh, so all those things. And uh, the other aspects in terms of uh, uh, at, at a, at a uh, knowledge point of view to upskill themselves is keep on uh, going through the industry changes that is happening. Maybe APRA has come up with a new regulation, which may impact the way they banks operate, right? Or, or um, you know, Signal Directorate put a new method of, you know, uh, capturing uh, or recording the information, say, for example, essentially. Um, so how it is going to impact, uh, for example, essentially it was set forth as a good reporting mechanism to understand where organizations stand. But is every organization is at, at that zone to have a uh, good reporting uh, established right away, or there is a considerable of effort that may need to put. But uh, what I personally feel is, along with the reporting, we should have a robust plan to improve each bit of it. Say patching, say backup and recovery, be it your you know, uh, payload delivery and other areas within the essential. So uh, don't want to make it a bit more technical, but uh, what I'm trying to say here is, you know, in terms of Governance also plays a key role. It's not only about specific knowledge on the tool or the technology, security technology, but it is also about building the right governance structure is crucial right. for success. Okay, okay. And and by governance structure, do you mean frameworks and standards, or is it more about processes and people? Yeah. Or are they intertwined? What's like and, and the plan that you refer to? Is that what you do? Are you the guy that puts that it's, plan together? It's mix of it's mix of all. Uh, I can say uh, if you broadly classify it is uh, people, process, and technology to run any organization, right? So there there are improvements that is required on the people front, like you know skill improvement, awareness building, getting right professionals, upscaling them to the new new challenges and all. Uh, and and process-wise, you know, the way that they are doing 10 years ago may not be relevant now to do it in the same way. They need to improve their processes to right. the change circumstances. And in terms of the technology, yes, there should be a proper roadmaps to improve uh, on the infrastructure what they have got today. Uh, after one year, whether is there anything which is going to absolute, what is our plan to address that, yeah. right? After looking at all these three key things, one factor that every organization need to crucially think is how it is impacting overall user aware, user uh, satisfaction levels, right? You know, in the way that they are utilizing that service. Is it going to make a drastic change? If it is drastic, is it going to make it simpler or make it more complicated, right? So I used to personally feel, you know, in the days when we used to have the first internet banking phase where all you need is an username and password, right? 
slowly people felt that that's not enough right they got a code so i remember having that hard tokens you get a code and you need to type it as well along with your user ids and passwords then believe me will a user like it to carry a code always it is as good as you know you need to carry it along wherever you wanted to go yeah. instead of memorizing it so yeah. some clever banks they come up with you know having an specific set of numbers mapped upon their cards so that they can carry their card but what i imperatively feel is you know after getting this biometrics now it is more easier you don't even need to memorize your user id and password open the app sign in with your biometric your fingerprint your iris to get into it right so that's the improvements over the years and if you see the complications are getting reduced for the users to interact with the service so that right. is so whatever the government is putting as a framework may or may not be relevant to directly take it as a whole but organization need to you know align it according to the requirement and try to you know achieve that sweet spot where they can get you know objective of fulfilling the regulatory requirements at the same time having that wow factor for their client or the users okay okay so it's it's a never ending job right it's not yeah. like you can secure a company and then that's it done dusted you're now secure it's constant investment yeah. constantly uh improving uplifting hardening educating it's a never ending never ending task yeah. why is it though banu that um you know i mean obviously cybersecurity is a is a huge issue we read about it in the paper almost every day some uh household name that everyone on the planet has heard of su- sustains some kind of uh terrible uh cyber attack um even the the companies like you know sequoia capital who invest i'm sure billions a year uh still fall victim to like phishing campaigns and things like that why is it so hard for um cybersecurity in organizations to get the necessary buy in from boards to get the necessary investment and funding it's still just seen as a cost center rather than a a return on an investment but i i i kind of just it i struggle to understand that when you only need to turn on the television to see these big corporations sustaining billions of dollars of loss yeah. um you know because they haven't taken it seriously it just kind of i don't know that's the bit that kind of weirds me out at, at the moment it's like we've got a we're that's, sort of collectively suffering from ostrich syndrome here yeah i mean that that's uh, that's an uh, very good uh, topic actually you know to be honest it as a whole not only cybersecurity it as a whole is always seen as a spending thing right you know the cha- the 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 reason for that is you know most of the people uh, at the leadership level previously used to not market it properly to the wider uh, you know boards of the organizations and all uh, in terms of the benefits they are getting in right okay i invested on a server farm upgrade okay what happened i mean i put some 10 millions on it what happened i put 1 million on it what happened right yeah yeah you have improved but you are unable to say that in a language understood by to the senior board people that you know should you have not invested we are at the same level of operating system as it was before see the organization b which has got an impact because they are running with a similar operating system that should have been our name there luckily we could not because we have a proactive step here right so that sort of messaging was not there previously but now uh, cyber itself is uh, treated as an uh, most important and vital 
thing, and, and I'm sure uh, most of the organization's thought process has changed on that aspect. Okay. And coming back to the first part, which you have said, when you're going through newspapers and all of big uh, cyber things happening, you know, uh, attacks and other stuff, you know, it's, it's always, you know, negative things make people curious. Right? That's true. You, 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 it's a, it sells newspapers. It's a simple social experiment. You know, I, I always say this to my uh, teams and all. Uh, be very careful about a black dot on a white board. You get 100 people, 99 people will question what is the black dot, but they never speak about the white space around. That's a very, yeah. very good point. You're right. Yeah, so, That's true. Uh, we should That's be true. very careful uh, on that weakest link. And then... Security is as strong as the weakest link in the chain, right? So Very true. We should be careful about those weak links and try to have a mitigation plans around. And yes, it is only 99.99% always, right? You know, that 1% is where there is always a challenge from an outsider, malicious outsider, I meant to say. Yes. Try to get in on something and try to create a damage. Reputation, financial, all those stuff. But that makes you to think, improve, you know, it's a, it's a continuous wheel. Absolutely. This goes down to the wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing that's kind of fascinated me about the uh, my time in the cybersecurity industry so far is that I always thought about cybersecurity in terms of people within protecting themselves from people without. But actually, uh, very often, um, uh, uh, malicious actors, as, as I think is the correct term, uh, are often within organizations, right? Disgruntled employees. Um, and that's the whole evolution of the zero trust Absolutely. concept, right? You don't trust anyone, even the people that you're working with. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's the basic axiomatic point of departure. No one can be trusted. Not even me, the cybersecurity uh, guy. Well, you know, you need to be careful, and that careful will always come with, you know, uh, ha ha you need to doubt before actually doing something, right? And only then you can understand the uh, impact it may create should you fail. Right? And, and, and then you can bolster that particular control, which, which may be in question tomorrow uh, when you are in real time. So it's, it's that sort of an approach always. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a constant journey, as you rightly said, the internal uh, risks are always a, a challenge for any organization because it's like, you know, it's like your hand. Your hand, all fingers are in different sizes. Similarly, you may have different people, different mindset. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, Sometimes you can get strangled by your own hand. Look. Well, it's not necessarily a, a malicious intent-oriented insider always. Uh, it can be, uh, you know, inability to judge something or, or some lapse in terms of right joining and they could access something which they are not supposed to do because of a control weakness, right? right. It can be that way as well. So it's not only about you know malicious intention. It can be about a technology gap which was not perceived before, has been seen. That's why it's a constant activity. You need to see watchful of the alerts, watchful of the things going on in the organization, internal exactly. within the perimeter, outside as well. And and it's not going to be within organization anymore, anyways now because of the cloud and you know all those aspects coming in. Uh, your data is always flowing between organization or a remote location or a remote user to a cloud which is a shared resource and all those stuff but it is imperative to maintain that security across the chain across the life life cycle of it absolutely absolutely and and um just going back to i know we're all sick and tired of talking about the pandemic and 
we just want to see the end of it. And, you know, it's a new year and a fresh start and the world is changing. Vaccines are coming out. I know there's a, a general sort of feeling that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But just to go back to the pandemic for one moment, um, it has had quite an impact on cybersecurity, wouldn't you say? At least I think in terms of awareness, like bringing it to the public's awareness in a way it wasn't quite there before. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The main difference is, you know, uh, it, it used to be an, you know, secure mode of operations for IT industry before you limit to an office location most of the time. Yeah, there used to be remote working, which is pretty minimal, right? Uh, and the risk associated with that remote working was pretty low before. But now you don't have offices uh, where people are coming regularly and logging in. It's more about you know remote working, uh, working from a, a different uh, you know types of technologies, different types of connectivities. Everything has its own inherent risks and advantages. So it is very important for organizations to restructure them themselves quickly to go back to normal mode of businesses, right? So. Uh, that was one crucial uh, takeaway from this uh, uh, pandemic, I can say. Organizations can take drastic measures much quicker and try to align themselves as long as there is a business demand. And that demand is, we need to go back to normal. They know that you know, it's not going to be a one-day, 10-day affair after a while, and then they made themselves adjusted, right? So several organizations now, in fact, is more uh, careful to... They are seeing benefits of working remote now, uh, more productive time, and people are more happier sometimes. Uh, but at the same time, it is now more challenging uh, to get them back to work uh, post-pandemic. It's not going to be the same situation like what it was before. We yeah. need to have the mix in a more spread way now. Absolutely. Absolutely. 10% to maybe a 50-50%. Going Absolutely. Forward. Absolutely. Which is good because... We can all spend a lot more time with our family. And I think we were too, we had gone too far in the opposite direction before. Yeah. And definitely. so I think the pandemic has really given us a, um, you know, it's, it's funny to say, use the word healthy, but I think it's given us a healthier work life balance in that respect, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, if you see, there is always a challenge. This, the last year to this year, it is pandemic, you know, maybe 10, 10 years ago, there was a big slump in the market, external market. And then, 20 years ago, there was this Y2K problem, right? Oh, yeah. That turned out to be nothing. That was funny. Yeah, it, it, it is always. There is always a problem uh, for the industry which challenges the industry and industry adjusts itself to start delivering again, right? Yeah. Initially, the, the ride would be bumpy, but then again, they stabilize it and then things come back to normal. New challenges, new issues, new mode of uh, styles of working and all. Absolutely. Right? So, the world is the world is good old topic that we discussed in the beginning. Change is only permanent. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I like that. It's like um, the 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 world kind of makes natural adjustments every now and then, doesn't it? A bit like the stock market. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. It's it's got a life of its own. And uh, yeah, I remember Y two K. It was kind of like the IT's version of Nostradamus predicting the end of the world. Yeah. And then then that day happened, and we looked out the windows, and the birds were still tweeting. The sun was still shining. Yeah, yeah, there's so many things, you know, uh, so many predictions. Uh, don't even, uh, in, 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 in not even go towards uh, Nostradamus, who is like four, five hundred years before. Uh, there are good, uh, you know, interviews and other aspects where big people, like, for example, Bill Gates predicted 10 different things which may happen. And we are seeing that, like social marketing, social media, the advent of 
PCs coming into each and every house, every corner, and, and mobile devices playing, you know, uh, important part in your life, and, and all those things, right? It was predicted some 25, 30 years ago. The pandemic know. itself, I think, yeah. was predicted as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we have Nostradamus always. That's true. <laughs> the, across. The signs are always there. You just have to keep your eyes and ears peeled, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we have to, we have to all strive to be wise like you, Banu. Oh, a man of experience. I, 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 I have an, uh, you know, luck of working with great people, meeting great people like you and several other mentors who made me this way. And, and that journey is going on. I still learn every day a new thing in mind in my side of the work as well. And then try to understand, oh, okay, this is a new thing that I've done today, right? So it's never ending. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, what I'd really like, Banu, is, uh, is for you to tell people who are listening to this hopefully someone's listening <laughs> not just my mother and some friends but hopefully it uh, we're reaching a wider audience if people are listening and they want to reach out to you banu and and learn more from you uh how what's the best way for them to get in touch they can ping me on linkedin banu okay. prakash nanduri b h a n u p r a k a s h n a n d u r i three words they can find wonderful me. well what i'll do when we um when we actually uh publish this podcast Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll include relevant information, uh, sources of some of the material and, and, and ways for people to get in touch with you, Banu, because you've yeah, got a lot yeah, of yeah. Uh, pearls of wisdom that people should be benefiting from, particularly yeah. people who are coming to Australia and yeah. who are trying to navigate their way in uh, not just the cybersecurity industry, but, but the job market as a whole. Yeah. So just, just one, uh, I can't say that it's a message, but it's yeah. more about, you know, uh, what I prefer to say to the new people who are coming to this territory is this is absolutely a beautiful place to come in. At the same time, you should be open. You should understand the big picture. You need to adapt yourself. It's not going to be easy. Uh, you need to adapt yourself. Make the changes at, at, at your professional level, your personal level, the, your thought process. Then. Rest would be history. You can mark uh, your your, your uh, page here in the history of Australia again. You know, that's that's very well put. Very well put. Nothing worthwhile is ever easy, right? It always requires work and uh, constant refinement of approach. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 uh, and one more important thing. Sorry, I'm adding so many one more. No, do it, do it, do it. Don't <laughs> but, forget, Banner. You, you, you can always come is... back. You can always come back. You're always oh, welcome oh, oh. on this program. Always try to, you know, uh, I know, try to help people who are doing something wrong when you visibly see it, be it in your professional side or, you know, be it your personal side when you come across with a, say, young lad who wanted to learn something, but he's doing some fundamental mistake, you know that. Take that 10 seconds or one minute and try to give them a one simple sentence, say that, okay, this is not the right way. Maybe you need to think this. That makes a huge difference for that person. You never know. That line itself makes a lot uh, impact on his life and he may do something more differently with that thought process you know it's just like a minor diversion absolutely to the right path that you do absolutely and it and the reward is witnessing that that um that light bulb moment you know that shift in someone you yeah. know that's fantastic i agree i agree absolutely well listen banu prakash uh sunshine um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and I hope you come again yeah, and sure. we can continue this discussion because I could talk to you for hours. And in fact, we almost have. It's, uh, it was supposed to be a one hour podcast and it's now one hour and 50 minutes. So uh, wow. time flies when you're having fun. Well, uh, we created more problem for our editing folks. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's good to create a problem. Problems are good to have. Good one, good one. All right, then. Uh, thank you. Well, thank, thank you very much, Banu. And uh, please apologize to your family on my behalf for keeping you for so long. No, 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 that's fine. They loved it as well. They are keen to see, along with your mother, my family is also keen to see me, what I spoke. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ben. I really All appreciate right. it. Look forward. Thank you. Thanks. Speak so. to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.